0: Welcome to uh, Resurrection Sunday here at Infused Church. I want to say so good to have you here with us today. It's going to be a, uh, a great day, a great weekend to uh, celebrate all that God's done for us. So just want to start uh, by opening up in prayer for the message today. And uh, so if I just have you bow your heads, that would be fantastic. Father, I thank you that by your Spirit you are here. And above all, we thank you for the life, the death, the burial... ...and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that as I speak this message... ...that you would empower me by your Holy Spirit... ...to speak truth, to speak the anointing of your Holy Spirit... ...and that lives would be transformed as I speak. I pray for faith to arise in the hearts of these listeners both here physically and online right now. I thank you and welcome you, Holy Spirit, to flow freely through every part of this message and on beyond into eternity that these words don't stop bearing fruit but they continually cause your people to grow in faith and believing all that you've done for us, all that you've said to us and all that you are going to do through us in the wonderful name of Jesus. I pray that. Today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, the title of my message today is Don't Doubt, Just Believe. So, what do you say? That? Don't doubt, Just Believe. Don't doubt, Just Believe. Text of what I'm going to be talking about, and, and almost like a bit of a, a, a narrative, if you will. Is out of John chapter 20, and uh, just a powerful. Uh, I think it's one of the most powerful chapters in the whole Bible. To be honest, it just—it's so encouraging. It helps us to understand uh, what Jesus did, how His resurrection came about, and the things that we can be encouraged uh, through His word as a result of it. So, I just want to say to you today that it's just a uh, allow the words of the the scriptures, the 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 story to. Uh, encourage you and build something in your heart today as I speak. So this whole chapter really, it, it's, it's a contrast of people that, that don't have faith, who don't believe, and that's the people that do believe, the people that do have a faith and a belief in Christ. See, Mary Magdalene didn't believe at first that Jesus had risen from the dead. So you you see in in verses 1 and 2, Mary went to the tomb but found the stone had been rolled away. So Mary ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and we all know that that was John, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. That word's really important because it gives us an indication that really Mary here doesn't expect that Jesus has been raised to life, but someone's laid him out. He's still down. He's still out. He's still dead, and so she thinks that they've just flogged his body. That's an Australian anachronism for saying they've stolen it. So uh, there's this this whole thing that you know Mary doesn't believe that he's really raised from the dead, but someone's Taken his body and they've laid it out somewhere else. So Peter and John, they they run to the tomb to see for themselves if what Mary has said is true. Now John, he must have been like a a, a bit faster, a bit fitter. He probably did the park run in Jerusalem. I'm not sure, but he may have. So uh, he's he's got it there a bit quicker. He's got a faster time than obviously Peter did for the 5Ks. So he's gone and he's he's beaten Peter to the to the tomb and uh, he finds it empty except for a few linen wrappings that are there. Peter steps up, ever the brash guy, ever the one that takes the, the first step into anything. He's got this great ability to do that sort of stuff. So he stepped forward. He actually goes into the tomb and there's no Jesus. Jesus is not there. So John... What he does then, he steps into the tomb behind Peter, and the Bible says to us that uh, it says in John uh, chapter twenty verse eight. So John went in too, and he saw the wrappings and the face cloth, and he believed without any doubt that Jesus had risen from the dead. And as uh, for as yet they did not know or understand the uh, the statement of Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. See, uh Peter and John they go in there and and in in their minds this is a done deal. There is no body there. The wrappings are still there. Is that an indication to them that you know that they haven't just uh, uh, like stolen his body? Because you, you naturally think if they're going to steal the body they'd steal everything that he's wrapped up in as well. They'd steal the uh, the, the face cloth, the whole deal. The, you know the whole lot would be gone. It wouldn't just be that there would be the wrappings that were there or the face cloth that was covering that they'd leave those behind and just take the body. No, they would take the whole shebang. They'd take the whole box and dice. So in Peter and John's mind, when they see that those things are still there, in their mind, they've suddenly realized he's, he's risen. He's risen. See, they may not have understood what they saw, but they believed. They believed. See, it says in there, it says that they did not yet know or understand the statement of scripture that he must rise again from the dead. See, there's many times in our own lives where we may not understand something uh, about God's ways or God's will or whatever it is, but we can still believe. Amazing. You guys, I love you guys. So this is what the, the life of faith is all about. We don't have to know everything or understand everything, but we can still believe. Is there anyone here this morning who still believes? Uh, You guys are like, just wake up, okay, get engaged this morning, okay? You may not want to take notes because I am going to rip through this and I'm going to and I feel all, that God wants to do something in your spirit. And if you're taking notes this morning, there's a likelihood that you'll miss what I'm actually pitching to you and you won't catch what I'm, I'm speaking to you this morning. If you want to take notes, save it for this evening when you can download our YouTube stuff. Because like, we've got 100 subscriptions now. Did you Subscribers. Subscribers. I, I, get, I love my team. They tell me the right phraseology to use. 100 subscribers. I have no clue what it means, but it's good. See, I don't have to understand everything, but I can believe. I can believe. See, uh, we may not have all the answers. We may not have all the information. We may not see a way through what we have to go through. We may not even have all the people or the resources that we need, but we can still believe, church. We can still believe. Sometimes the answers come on the journey. Sometimes the answer is at the end of your journey, and sometimes... The answer is right in front of you, but you can still believe. What I love about the Lord is His patience. He gives us time, He gives us space to discover Him in unexpected ways. Don't you like the unexpected, the the suddenlies of God? All of a sudden Jesus was there. And we see an example of this in John 20 verses 11 to 13. This is John chapter 20, what I'm talking about. It says that Mary, who had returned, was standing outside the tomb and sobbing. And so as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laid. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? And she told them, Because uh, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've. Laid him. In her mind, he's still dead. He's still laid out flat somewhere. He's laying down, taking a rest, whatever it is. She doesn't believe that he's actually raised from the dead. Mary thinks that Jesus is still dead. And after saying this in verse 14, it says that she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but didn't know that it was Jesus. Now, that's strange. I don't know whether she's you know, so downcast, so not being able to look. She's, you know, her heart's heavy. And, and you know what it's like when you're upset. You know what it's like when you've been crying. You don't want to look, oh, look at this, so nice. You know, it's, it's you're downcast, your, your heart's aching, there's a, a sob or a, a, an ache in your, your spirit, in your stomach, there's, there's something that's not right until you're looking at it. Maybe that's what it is, I don't know. What I do know is the Bible says that she didn't know that it was Jesus that was standing there. In fact, what it does tell me is that, you know, some, sometimes when we're going through something, something's happened to us and what we're going through, we don't realise that Jesus is actually there with us. Uh, Whatever you're going through right now, you need to know that Jesus is right there with you. You just need to lift your vision, like uh, uh, attune your ears to to what he's going to say to us. You know, you might be right in the middle of something, wanting help, needing strength from God, and he's standing right there. He's standing right there. And in verse 15, Jesus says to her, Woman, woman, why are you crying? For whom are you looking? supposing that he was a gardener, I don't know, he might have had the work boots, steel cap shoes, I don't know, but it might have been like he had a bit of grub and stuff on his jeans, he might have had, a, I don't know, whatever it was in his hand. And he says, supposing he was a he replies, Sir, if you are the one who has carried him away from here, tell me where you have put him and I'll take him away. An incredible heart of love that Mary has for Jesus incredible heart that she has for her savior she just wants to make sure that he's he's okay in this state and then the next very next verse it says in verse 16 jesus said to her mary mary changes everything when jane calls my name It makes my heart sing. I love to hear Jane call my name. It means... When people call my name, it means something to us. It means something to us. It penetrates. They, They know me. They recognize me. That's who I am. I love to call Jane by her name. I say, I love you, Jane. It means so much when someone uses our name. There's something about people using... Our names when they talk to us. When when people use our names, it gets our attention. <clears throat> it certainly got Mary's, because all of a sudden she realizes here's Jesus. And he's not dead. He's not laid out anymore. He's living and breathing and standing in front of her. She recognises who he is because he's called her name and she's looked up and there he is. And then they have this bit of a a, a chat saying... Jesus said, don't hang on to me, I've got to go, I'm not yet risen to my Father and so on. And then Mary, you know, she just bolts and she goes to the disciples and she tells them everything that Jesus has said and what he's done in that, that interaction together. Later, Jesus, he appears to the disciples as they are meeting in a house behind a closed, locked Barred up door. And they do this because they're in fear of the Jews. So so all of a sudden Jesus comes into the room and it says, that same day when it was evening in verse 19, though the disciples were behind barred doors for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and spoke to them, peace be to you. That's a pretty good thing to hear from someone who just appeared in your room. Peace to you. Otherwise you'd be like, I'll get the keys, unbar this door, I'm out of here. But this is what Jesus does. And I want to encourage you today that closed and locked doors don't stop Jesus. Closed and locked doors don't stop Jesus. Paul and Silas chained up in a prison did not stop Jesus. God. Elijah and David are in a cave and did not stop God from meeting with them. We see Daniel in a cave with a heap of lions and it did not stop God from meeting with Daniel in that moment. We need to understand that we may be in darkness. It does not stop Jesus. Hardened hearts don't stop Jesus. Jesus. You need to just continue to believe and to pray for your family, for your relatives, for your friends that you are believing that they're going to come and their hearts are going to be opened up to the message of Jesus Christ. Their hardened hearts cannot stop God Almighty. Their hardened hearts cannot stop God from penetrating through. It'll take one word from God breathed upon by His Spirit that will be like something that penetrates to the core of their being and they suddenly realise that Jesus is real. And those words, those actions, those things that will happen to open up their hardened hearts will come through you as you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to say it, I'm up for you to do that. And as you just yield yourself in submission to Him, God will penetrate into the hardest of hearts. Amen? Amen. When Jesus went into the room where his disciples were, in verse 20, it says that he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. He showed them his hands and his side. His hands and feet, which had been pierced with nails, the marks of having been crucified were there to be seen personally by these disciples. He showed them his side, which had been pierced with a spear. Jesus showed them his hands, his feet and his side to convince them that it was him and not a ghost. He showed them to assure them of the truth of his resurrection. You don't come back from wounds like that. You don't get better from things like that. The piercing of his side alone where the spear penetrated his heart, because we can understand that that's what's happened because blood and water has flown out of his side. You can see from uh, medical stuff, they will tell you that that's what happens when when that uh, some the spear trauma and the stress of all that Jesus went through, that's what happens. Also, he showed them that it was his body that was crucified. He didn't get a a, a stunt double to do this for him. This was Jesus. He, He did it to reveal to them the extent of his love for them. He's saying, hey guys, girls, this was for you says in Isaiah that our names are written in the palms of his hands. When you understand the significance of that, it's, an, it's just it's humbling. My name was on his palm as it was being nailed to a piece of wood. It's by these wounds in his hands and his side and his feet that they were fully convinced that it was Jesus. It was fully convincing for them. He was risen from the dead and now he appeared before them. What an amazing and overwhelming sight it must have been. That's why, church, that we have to arise. It's so important for us that this April is being dedicated as a prayer and fasting month because we are united in seeking God's presence, God's promises and God's power in this month so that we too can be overwhelmed by His presence, by His promises, by His power so that we can tell the world, we can show the world... What what he's really like, the love, the extent of his love and his grace for us. At least that's what I'm believing for. I want to be overwhelmed by his presence. I want his presence to be so on me that I go out of uh, 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 my time with God, wherever that is, whether that's here in the church or whether that's at home, whether that's in my car, whether it's going for a walk on a, uh, a weekday morning with Jane. I'm just, I am just—I want the, the tangible presence of God to be evident upon my life. Verse 22 says, Having said this, Jesus breathed on them, And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Just lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands right now. I release the Spirit of God upon you right now in the name of Jesus. May you have an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. Like you've never ever experienced before. And may you know that He's real, He's alive, and He wants to live in and through you today. In the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit right now. I thank you for an outpouring of the Spirit of God that causes revival to sweep the Adelaide Hills. It, res- it goes down into the Adelaide Plains, it goes out into the regional areas of our state, it crosses state borders despite not having an, a, a proper permit to go across the borders. I pray that it just offends people, I pray that it looses people, I pray that it sets people free, that this nation is taken with revival, Lord cause your people to come alive in your spirit today in the name of Jesus and if anyone agrees say amen. Amen. This is why being united in seeking God's presence is so important for us. It's why there's something special about a corporate anointing, a group of people gathering together as the church. Because there are some things that God will only do and say in a gathering such as this that he will not say or do to an individual. Okay, here we go. There's a line that I'm really like not wanting to cross over but I think I'm gonna <sighs> I read some stuff in uh, the Bible which is a really good place to read and it's in judges and it's and it talks. Oh, I hope I can find it real quick. This is just something that I just felt like God gave to me. Here it is. It's in Judges chapter 2. Verse 8, it says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Also, all the people of that generation were gathered to their fathers in death. And another generation arose, listen to this, and another generation arose after them who did not know, recognize, understand the Lord, nor even the work which he had done for Israel. When the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord and worshiped and served the Baals, they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods from the gods of other peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them and, Offended and provoked the Lord to anger. Why? Because no one ever told them about the goodness of God, the ways of God, the Word of God, because they were doing other things. Church, you know what? I know that people can't get to a Sunday service, but you can teach your kids the Word of God at home. You, you can speak to them about the things of God. Do you sit down of an evening around a meal or maybe other, some other convenient time and you start to open up the Scriptures to them and you say to them, this is the God I love. This is the God I worship. This is the God I've given my life to. This is the God I want to meet with, with every single day. I want to teach you and show you and explain to you how, why I love this Jesus, why I love this God so much. He's saved my life. He's redeemed me from the pit of hell. He's given me brand new life. I have a power for living that I didn't know I had because I've understood what it is to know and to, to, to see Jesus. parents. Teach your kids the things of God. It's not my responsibility. It's not Lisa or Dean's responsibility to teach your kids the things of God. It is yours. I've kicked that line. I'm fairly happy with that bit, so I will carry on. I won't belabor the point. But you get what I'm saying, please. Please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for parents today. If you're a parent, I want you to stick your hand up. If you want to receive this prayer, it's a gutsy prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you give these parents, these grandparents, these aunties and uncles, the the uh, the power the the love, the the grace to share with their kids, with their nephews and their nieces, with their grandchildren, the things of God. Would you put a burning desire in these parents to share the gospel of good news with these parents in the name of Jesus? And I pray even for those who don't have children yet, who are desiring of children, that you too would have the courage to sit down with your kids, to pray with them, to show them the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. See, there's something about being together in a corporate setting that's different from when you're just sitting down on your own doing stuff. There's a different anointing that happens. Our services... That's why we need to be in them together, united, consistent. They're so important. You know why? Imagine being Thomas. Imagine being Thomas. Verses 24 and 25. But Thomas, one of the 12, a disciple, called the twin. Where was his twin? Another question. Thomas. One of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas was not in that room. Thomas was at the library. I don't know what he was doing. But he was not there. So the other disciples kept telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the marks made by the nails and put my finger into the nail prints and put my hand into his side, I'll never believe it. That's why he wasn't in the room. There was an element of unbelief in Thomas. Imagine suddenly being surrounded by a group of men and people who were saying to Thomas, Man, you should have been there. (laughs) Mate, you should have been there. You should have seen what we've seen. He was amazing. It was just phenomenal. Jesus just appeared in the room. (laughs) He just showed up. The door was locked, buddy. But he's there. He just comes in and he shows us his hands. He showed us his side. He showed us all the things that was going on within him right there. He showed us. Thomas, you should have seen it. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You, for whatever reason, missed a family gathering. You missed a movie. You missed a party. You missed something. And the people around about you, you just wish they'd shut up. You just wish they'd keep quiet. Because you know you've missed the party. You know that you weren't at the movie. You know that you didn't experience what they've experienced and you, you know, you, there's an element of, of like, wished I'd been there, but I'm not going to let them know that. And you just wish they'd be quiet. I wonder if that's how Thomas felt. Church, don't be a Thomas. Don't miss. Don't miss it. Jesus, eight days later, he appears to the disciples and Thomas is there. Why? Wouldn't you be if you had these people just carrying on, telling you what you've missed, what you've just, like you didn't hear, you didn't see for yourself. I, I know that if I wanted to be in that environment, I'd place myself there the next time. If there's an opportunity, mate, I'm not missing it. I want to see these things. So it says in verses 27 to 28, Jesus said to, to Thomas, reach out your finger here and see my hands. This is Jesus speaking to him. And he says, and put your, at your hand and place it in my side. Now, that's, that's gutsy. Like, you know, I, I know what it's like when I've got a bruise. I've got a hurty knee. and someone touches my hurty knee, it hurts. So for Jesus to say these sorts of things, I think it's pretty gutsy. He says, "Don't be faithless and incredulous, but stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe saints. Stop doubting. And believe, saints, infuse church, body of Christ, from whichever church that you may be visiting from today in this place. If you're watching online, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. See, Jesus loved Thomas so much that he met Thomas at the level of his faith. No matter what your level of faith is today, I believe that God can meet you at your level of faith and draw you to a place of deeper, greater, increased faith. And it's through this thing. It is called the Word of God. If you want an increase of faith, if you want to stop doubting and you want to start believing, read the Bible. But don't just read it, meditate on it. Find a parable. Find a story where Jesus is doing something and just sit there and say, look, what does this mean? How does this happen? Go on a journey with Jesus. It's time to stop doubting and to just believe. We have been called to a walk of faith in Christ. Verse 29 says, Jesus says, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there's those who have never seen me with their eyes but have believed in me with their hearts and they'll be blessed even more. You are those people today. You have never seen Jesus. Well, I don't know. You may have. I don't know. I saw a picture when the kid's item was on that looked awfully like Jesus to me. But, but even, we can experience God, we are living in the blessing of what Jesus said there. I want to contrast doubt and unbelief or belief for us today. Mark chapter 6, verses 2 to 3. It's the story here we see. On the Sabbath that Jesus taught in the synagogue, and many were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things, this knowledge and spiritual insight? What is this wisdom, this confident understanding of the Scripture that is given to him and such miracles as these that are performed by his hands? And here's the change. Here's, the, here's the, the cut to like just exit stage left. Isn't this just the carpenter? The son of Mary and the, the brother of James, Joseph and Judas and Simon. Are his sisters not here with us? And they were deeply offended by him and their disapproval blinded them to the fact that he was anointed by God as the Messiah. These people, they heard Jesus speak right there in front of them. They were uns- they were astounded at his knowledge, the wisdom and the confident understanding of the God of God's word. They were amazed at the miracles that they had heard about that were done through his hands, but they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And here is the result of their unbelief. In Mark chapter six verses five to six, it says this, and Jesus couldn't do a miracle there at all. Because of their unbelief, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he wondered at their unbelief. These people thought they knew all there was to know about Jesus. They knew his his brothers. They knew his dad. They knew his mom. They knew his sisters. There's nothing else that I need to know about Jesus. That's who he is. They only saw Jesus with their natural eyes and they only heard him with their natural ears. Unbelief stopped the flow of the supernatural miraculous power of God. Have we become like these people and believe that we know all there is to know about Jesus? Is our experience of what Jesus didn't do in our life now the extent of our faith in Jesus? Well, I I prayed once for this person, but they didn't get better. I, I, I prayed for that person. I believed God that they would heal this person, but they still died. Those are genuine things. I'm not trying to belittle those things. But there's a journey of faith that we've got to continue to believe. We've got to continue to press in, got to continue to, to, to believe and seek God in those things. Or is, this, is Jesus the source of life to us? That faith in his name releases the power of God to heal, to set free, to restore, to save and redeem lost mankind. Contrast this with the story of Jairus in Mark chapter 5. Jairus' daughter is critically ill. Jairus goes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, would you come and heal my daughter? By the time that Jesus sets out to see Jairus' daughter, people from Jairus' synagogue, they come to Jairus and they say to him, your daughter's dead. And in verse 36 of Mark chapter 5, it says, overhearing what was said, Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid. Only keep on believing in me and my power. Keep believing. Don't doubt. Don't be afraid. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Even when it's dead. First, you know, fear may have stood at the door of Jairus's heart. I don't know, but Jesus knew. Fear of losing his daughter, that the time had run out for his daughter, that Jesus couldn't help. Fear can overwhelm us so much that we begin to doubt and we push faith away. I'd much rather be more comfortable with my doubt and my unbelief because it's real and tangible to me and it gives me an excuse not to believe. No matter what you're facing, keep believing. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only keep on believing in me and my power. When things turn bad, keep believing. Keep believing, church. Keep believing. When things look like they're dead and there's no life left, keep believing. Don't fear. Keep believing, church. Keep believing. Hang on to Jesus. Hang on to the Word of God. That's why we need His presence. That's why we need His promises. That's why we need His power. I need to know His presence will reveal His His Word to me that I can then believe the power of God to come through in my circumstance. I want to be in the presence of God where He says to me, heal this sick person and then allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through the presence of God, the promises of God and the power of God. We've got to seek after these things. It's why we're arising in 2021. Jesus showed us what to do with fear and doubt and cynicism and ridicule. In verse 39, it says, Jesus said to them, why is all this commotion? They've come to Jairus's house, right? They've arrived here. There's this great commotion going on. There's people mourning and there's wailing and stuff going on and carrying on. And Jesus says to them, why all this commotion and weeping? The child's not dead. She's just asleep. And they begin to laugh scornfully at him because they knew that the child was dead. See, it doesn't matter what we think about a situation. What matters is that the loving God, miracle-working Father is capable of speaking life to death. Jesus puts the doubters and the unbelievers outside and he shuts the door on them and so should we. When you get a thought saying, well, it didn't work last time, no, put that, sh- shut that door on that thought. Slam it closed and then go back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? And elevate the Word of God to a, to a place above your doubts and your fears so that God's Word has a chance of taking root and producing fruit in your life. See, Jesus took the girl's parents and his three disciples into the room with the girl. Jesus takes this girl by the hand. In verse 41, he says, tenderly to her, kum. How did you like that? Pretty good. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Arise is my translation. Arise. Immediately the girl gets up and begins to walk around. This child's resurrection created great wonder and utter amazement around about. Jesus says to Martha in John 11:25 25 to 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. And even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Church, Jesus said this to Martha, and I've asked this a couple of weeks ago, but do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Three people. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? See, in John chapter 6, verses 28 to 29, see, Jesus is asked, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered them, believe in the one that he has sent. That's the, that's the hardest thing you're going to have to do is to believe him. Surely there's more to that. Well, there might be. But if you believe in him, the rest of the stuff comes a little easier because you realize it's not you, it's him. This is what arises for us this year. It's time to stop doubting and to arise believing again. To let faith arise to let trust arise, because some of you have lost your faith. It's taken a battering. It's taken a hit. It's time to believe again, church. It's time to believe in the miracles. It's time to believe in the love and the grace of God. It's time to believe in the supernatural. It's time to believe in healing. It's time to believe in restoration. It's time to believe in freedom. It's time to believe. It's time to believe. It's time to believe. It's time to believe again. Let faith arise. Let, let a song arise. Let's activate our connections, ramp up our worship, invest our gifts, stretch our faith and engage with our communities again. Why? Because we believe. Let's, just, let's stand. I'm done. Just before, um, I guess, just a little bit... Um, Okay, just all right. Just talking to myself, had a conversation. I think I won the argument. How can you lose when you're talking to yourself? There were some things I felt like God was gonna ask me to pray for you for. One of the the first things I felt like God wanted me to to pray for people for this morning was this, that faith would arise again. Faith would arise again. I feel like this last maybe 18 months, two years, that people have, have lost faith. People have just lost their way a little bit. And God loves you so much that he put this message on my heart for you He loves you so much. And he wants to talk to you, wants to rejoice with you, wants to dance with you, wants to sing with you, wants to write that novel that's in your heart with you, wants to reach out to the people that you have a heart for through you. And that takes faith to do, to allow God to work through you in those moments those, those areas. And over the process of time, I guess, there's this, this, this thing that's just beating you down. Just beating you down. And it's time to arise. It's time to arise. Not in my strength, but in His. Not in your strength, but in His. I'm going to open up the front. I was just going to do the blanket prayer thing. But I, I, I've read too much about laying on of hands to know that there's power in laying on of hands. Yeah. Jesus, even in that unbelieving town of Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, where they had no faith, they recognised it was through the hands of... And I'm not Jesus, all right? Please don't misunderstand me. But what I do have is the Spirit of God upon my life this morning for this message. There's breakthrough in this message for people. There's breakthrough for healing. There's breakthrough for freedom. There's breakthrough for restoration. You're believing for a pay rise. You're believing for a better job. You're believing for a problem. There's breakthrough in this message this morning. And if you, if I can just start it with this: to have the faith again. For faith to increase, to believe once more that what the Bible says is true. It's truth. It's truth this morning. If you want prayer, well, I'm just going to close the service right here, right now. And the guys are going to some, play, play some music. And if you want some prayer, come at the front. I'm happy to pray with people. We've got people here that... Understand my heart and I'm happy for them to to, to pray with people as well. But if you want prayer this morning for faith to arise once more, then I'm asking you to come out the front. I'm just going to pray with you and we're going to believe that you arise in 2021.